When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is one of our occasional 10-minute mystery editions. A little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. Paula, what's today's story? This one is out of East Liverpool, a town on the Ohio River and right next to the Pennsylvania and West Virginia borders. It's June 3rd. 1944, and the front page of the East Liverpool Evening Review is filled with World War II news of allies fighting the Japanese in India and Burma and getting ready to take Rome from the Nazis. But a small story on the bottom talks about different violence much closer to home. A local man has discovered the body of a dead woman. It's the third for this area in four years, and local authorities admit they are frustrated that they haven't even been able to solve the first two yet. This latest victim had been discovered just that morning by Sam Winters. He's an 18-year-old high school football star who works the night shift at the Pittsburgh Crucible Steel Plant in Midland, Pennsylvania. He takes the Midland to East Liverpool bus to work and back, and had been returning home at 7.30 that morning when he got off the bus at Mulberry Street. He was walking along State Street when he came across a startling sight. There were two worn green blankets trussed up with clothesline and two bare feet sticking out. Sam raced to the nearest phone and rang the police. Sergeant Herman Roth responded. He confirmed what Winters had seen, then he left Sam to guard the site while he went to get the cavalry. The city police, the county sheriff, and the coroner's office move in. Wrapped inside the blankets was a young woman, mid-twenties, with chestnut hair. She's five foot six inches, 125 pounds. She's lying on her back in a patch of weeds, about eight feet from the road and near the Pittsburgh Railroad underpass. She's naked, except for a torn pink slip pulled up under her arms and a pair of small hoop earrings in her pierced ears. She's dead, but she's still warm. Coroner Arnold Devon estimates she probably only died two hours earlier. He finds bruises to her left shoulder at the base of her neck. That, and some discoloration on her face, suggest she has been strangled, though Devon can't be sure if hands or a rope were used. Columbia County Sheriff George Hayes makes plaster casts of tire marks in the cinder roadbed in case he ever finds a suspect's car with which to match them. He never will. 
Her fingerprints are sent to the FBI in Washington to see if they match anything on their cards. They won't. All local police officers are called back to duty to help speed up identification. A photo was taken of the woman's face, her eyes peacefully closed, and they're circulated at taverns, beer parlors, and restaurants. No one can name her, though a few say she looked a bit familiar. There are many leads to follow, and one that seems promising is the Sheasley Carnival, which had come to town earlier that week and set up at a local park. The carnival left behind boxes of refuse and a man searching through the trash for material to build a tent for he and his children came across a box with two torn dresses and a ripped skirt. Were they hers? Could she have been a member of the traveling show? Well, Sheriff Hayes finds a photo of five dancing girls in what the carnival billed as its gay New Yorkers review. It was taken during a performance at the park. One of the ladies in the picture did indeed resemble the dead woman. At first, Hayes is told the girl in the picture had failed to show up for two performances in Lima, where the carnival headed next. But his trip to Lima was wasted. The girl in the photo had been accounted for. He tells this to East Liverpool police in a telegram that he dispatches immediately after learning this. But the brief interest in the carnival led to a name that the girl would now carry forever, Carnival Girl. There was another hopeful lead. A man on St. George Street, not far from where the body was found, said he was pulling into his garage at 4.10 a.m. Saturday when he passed a car on the road. He thought it peculiar that the car switched off its lights as it pulled onto State Street near the railroad underpass. It was suspicious enough that the man glanced at the license plate, and though he didn't get a number, he recalled they were not the blue and white colors of Ohio's tags. He was certain there was only one silhouette in the car, the driver. The lack of identity for the girl attracted authorities and families from all over, hoping she might be the loved one they were missing. Calls came in from throughout the Midwest and as far as the East Coast, but she didn't match any of their descriptions. More than 1,500 people came to Dawson Funeral Home in East Liverpool to view the body. Many of them were probably gawkers, but all in a futile attempt to give her a real name. On June 6, two days after she was discovered, a simple service for Carnival Girl was held. She was eventually buried in an unmarked grave in Spring Grove Cemetery. Those other two victims, frustrating East Liverpool police, never got justice either. Mrs. Julia Wall was strangled in 1940. Her body was found fully clothed in a red dress and imitation Persian lamb coat. She was missing her shoes. She had been folded over and stuffed into a potato barrel to be discovered by a rabbit hunter about six hours after her death. A suspect in that case was brought to trial. He was a former admirer in whose apartment her gold wedding ring was found, but a jury acquitted him. Then in 1942, Mrs. Johnny Lyons, a young East End wife, was found behind a billboard on Route 30 north of the city limits. Her remains were partially decomposed. 
She wore only stockings, one shoe, and a hair ribbon. The coroner concluded she had been strangled. Several suspects were held for a time, but there wasn't enough evidence to charge anyone. Police did not think these three crimes were the work of the same man, but the proximity of the crime scenes linked these cases in the public under the name The River Road Murders. Well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll see you here Sunday for our next full-size episode of Ohio Mysteries. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home.